Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and welcome to this step study. Today we will be doing step number 11, another important and vital step. And if you can pull out that handy dandy fuel guide to space and time called the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, we can go over step 11. So step 11, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. But Dan, Dan, I want to pray that my foot heals or I want to pray for this or that. And that's, we're going to go over how to do that. There's a way to do that. There's an importance to doing that. What is God's will and how do I carry it out for him? To start off, I wanted to bring some wise words from a guy named Sam Shoemaker. Sam Shoemaker was someone credited with a lot of spiritual influence in the AA program. A quote from Bill Wilson is this. We think, or let me get that right. We AAs think, Sam, that if your only admission ticket to heaven was a certificate of what you have done for us, then St. Peter would assign you something much better than a bleacher seat right from the start. Sam was very important. Sam had treated alcoholics on the street skid row style, they said and uh, encountered a lot of us and a lot of the craziness we bring to the table, but he had also been able to help people bring an understanding of God into their life that helped them have that experience, that spiritual experience, that vital spiritual experience. So as we get into step 11, I want to read a little bit out of Sam Shoemaker. And it says this, whatever be one's theories about prayer, two things stand. Man will pray as long as God and he exist. And the spiritual life cannot be lived without it. People need to pray, and they pray. But it is an art, the art of discerning God's will. And one must learn it, for prayer is more than primitive awareness of the supernatural. For us, it is the communing of children with Father. Character defects will ever be its greatest hindrance, for character defects rise up as a cloud between ourselves and God and makes our companionship a mockery. Wow, a mockery. If we don't demonstrate the fact of the AA program, if we don't demonstrate our spiritual life, we're just a mockery to the whole thing. And in the same way, obedience to the voice which speaks in prayer must ever be the condition of hearing that voice again. We gotta pay attention to it to get familiar with it, comfortable with it, and that builds our capacity to hear it. We ask for what we need, remembering that the essence of prayer is not childish asking for gifts, but the eternal quest for the disposition, the framework, the thinking, the attitude for the disposition of God towards the ways of our life. And we are praying best when we come quite empty of request to bathe ourselves in his presence and to wait upon with an open mind concerned far more with his message to us than with anything we can say to him. Concerned far more with his message to us than anything we can say to him. And as one grows into the longing love of God for men, intercession means pausing, praying, asking. That's what we call it in AA, but to pause and, and move towards God. Intercession becomes more and more a necessity First, it's a necessity because we can't help it. We're, we're just a mess and we're trying to get through it. And then 
it becomes a necessity because somehow knowing, somehow knowing that the best we can ever do for those we love is to bear them up before God. Let go, let God, and also to seek some hint from God of what he yearns to do for them through us. So, so many times I want to think something's happening to me. If things go my way, I'm like, oh, this is, God loves me, you know, uh, all that. That's something happening for me, and that's all fine and well. I like that too. The real question, though, is how is God moving through me? How am I bringing that into the world? How am I showing my gratitude for my new life by being his messenger, his employee, his worker, his child? The prayer of confession and for forgiveness is perhaps the deepest, best prayer of all because it involves humility and one which we shall need most often if God gives us an acute sense of our character defects. However necessary it be, prayer is seldom easy. And here's a quote, I have followed my own will so prayerfully and intensely that I do not know how to find another will, wrote my friend. Guess who that friend was? We'll let our historians talk about that. Sometimes the impression is vague and we are not sure it is from God, or there seems to be, well, no impression at all. Now we should not seek emotional corroboration. I, I think so many of us are big about that, right? We want to feel feel God, God's answer instead of seek it, right? Emotional corroboration for every spiritual effect produced by God upon us. And he often pours power into us when we feel nothing. Very clear leadings come seldom to most people. Some of us are too sinful or too stupid hmm, to be guided by revelation. We must be guided by necessity, pain, suffering. It's not required but it is what'll do it. And God is constantly using persons or events to direct us when our wills are too great discord with his, out of contact, not in harmony with his, for us to be guided directly. There was a temple in Kyoto with 500 images of the goddess of mercy, having in all 33,333 hands. This would be a faint representation of God's desire to come into our lives, to guide us, to help us, trusting him then, we must pray on, for we can do no other. This is what you walk away in this AA program with. This is what you get. This is what's left for you. Uh, the different words out there, the comforter, the guide, the Holy Spirit, the universal spirit, the ultimate reality, the creative intelligence, whatever you call it, it doesn't make any difference. It ultimately is your guide. That's what you're trying to go to, that infinite answer machine, right? It's got them all. And if we be faithful, we shall soon find that the reality of the experience of prayer far outweighs, far outweighs the questionings which make us doubt it. Wow, so those were the words of Sam Shoemaker who influenced this 11th step a lot. And I think you can hear a lot of that in there. And so as we get into this 11th step right here, right now, we are going to find out what it is all about. What is it all about? What is prayer and meditation? How do we seek through prayer and meditation to improve, not master, not perfect, not just do it and be done with, not to finish the tasks, to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him. Now, it's not your God and my God. It is just 
God in your approach, one great way to frame that up is to think that we're all looking at the same building and the building's got millions of sides to it. And every one of those sides is a little different. God is the building. We would all describe what we see or our experience with God differently because we're all looking at it from a different side. And if I'm looking at a particular panel of this building and I say it's got three windows and a door and it's made of brick and you're standing out front, you're like, no, 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 that isn't it. It's got columns and 10 steps and five glass windows and two big metal doors. That's the building. We would be talking about the same building, of course, but our experience would be different. There's a great story about two tribes on each side of the Himalayas that didn't know that they were both looking at the same mountain. They have different names for it, different reverence for it, different spiritual importance to it. And it would be centuries until they realized it's the same thing. They're both looking at the same thing, even though they just lived on two different sides of it. So here we go. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only so critical for the knowledge of his will for us, for the thoughts, for the still small voice, for the knowledge of his will for us and the power, the courage, the strength, the kindliness, the compassion, the gentleness, the forgiveness, the love, the humility to carry that out. And Bill goes on. Prayer and meditation are our principal means of conscious contact with God. Conscious just means aware. I'm aware that I'm reaching out to God, that God's will's in play. We AAs are active folk, enjoying, you know, like ADD, like completely freaked out, active, got to go all the time, don't want to think, don't want to feel. I think that's what he's talking about. We are active folk, enjoying the satisfactions of dealing with the realities of life, usually for the first time in our lives and strenuously. Now, so here's the thing that you might find. Are you doing this? The challenge of the words in the big book, like vigorous and complete and abandoned and strenuously are questions, questions we can ask ourselves. You know, are, am I doing this? Am I honestly strenuously trying to help the next alcoholic who comes along? Can you say you're doing that? That's how this works. That's what we're looking for. And we'll get into that in just a second. So it isn't surprising that we often tend to slight serious meditation and prayer as something not really necessary. Heck, I'm busy. <laughs> to be sure, we feel it is something that might help us to meet an occasional emergency. Right? We got that God, the rescue God. I got rescue God. But at first, many of us are apt to regard it as a somewhat mysterious skill of clergymen, like Sam Shoemaker, right? From which we may hope to get a secondhand benefit. Like, they're so holy. And that goes back to religion. You know, the sacred person in the sacred place with the sacred book. And we all want his attention or her attention. And we all want to point out how we know about the book. That's the type of thing that really stands in the way of this. Or perhaps we don't believe in these things at all. Maybe our best person to certain newcomers and to those one-time agnostics who still cling to the AA group as their higher power, ooh, we're going to change that. A lot of people use the AA group as their higher power because naturally a group of 10 people or 20 or 50 or 80 is stronger and more powerful and more intelligent, more skilled than any one person. I mean, it's obvious, right? So it is in fact a higher power, however human, and it's fallible. And you can find a lot of, well, doubt. And you will see in that group the very mockery Shoemaker warns us about, right? We don't want to make a mockery of this spiritual idea by spouting the spiritual things off, but not living the life. Hmm. 
So, to certain newcomers and to those one-time agnostics who still cling to the AA group as their higher power, claims for the power of prayer may, despite all the logic and experience in proof of it, like you see it's working, still be unconvincing or quite objectionable. Those of us who once felt this way can certainly understand and sympathize. We well remember how something deep inside us kept rebelling, kept opposing, kept resisting, had a sense of reluctance, kept rebelling against the idea of bowing before any God. Though, of course, we're NAA, right? We've been reduced to nothing. We've been humbled to the point of saying, all right, so at least perhaps I'm an alcoholic. You know, at least perhaps I'm addicted to something. At least perhaps I'm a cause of so many problems in my life. I've been reduced to that. And I still don't want to just do this prayer thing. Like, it's stupid, you know? Like, it's stupid. I'm just, who am I talking to anyway? Am I insane? Is this a mental illness, this prayer thing? And the answer, of course, is no. It's a vital and necessary, important part. That still small voice is in all of us. And it's a voice of good. There's a power greater than you, and it is good, and you can use it. And this is how we use it. That something deep inside us kept rebelling against the idea of bowing before any God. Many of us had strong logic. We learned in step 10, that logic is called rationalization. It is a lie of logic. Strong logic too, which proved there was no God whatever. Hmm. So rationalizations for and against God take the idea of existence and Try to move existence, whatever it means, right? We got to establish what existence means and try to move it to the physical plane. We say things like, I can't see him. I don't hear him from outside of me. I don't feel him. And we want to call out the religions and all these different things and say, you know, there's this or that wrong. Why all the evil in the world? We reduce it to physical things. But the spiritual experience is sort of that metaphysical thing. That's something outside of physics. And it is undeniable. I, I, I could never on my life, I, I just could not get sober. I couldn't. I wanted to for years. I knew I was sick. I knew my body was hurting. Had resigned myself to just dying. I can't do it. I can't quit. I'm just going to die. It's okay. You know, whatever. That's what happens to people that drink and use like I do. They die. <laughs> you know, makes sense. And uh, I'd resign myself to that. But here I am talking to you. I have no explanation for that other than a deep and profound spiritual experiences that seem to happen the more I invest into what our book says and what my religious book says. What about all the accidents, sickness, cruelty, and injustice in the world? What about all those unhappy lives, which were the direct result of unfortunate birth and uncontrollable circumstances? Surely there could be no justice in this scheme of things and therefore no God at all all. What about all the suffering? That's what he's saying. What about all the suffering? I mean, I I suffered, you suffered, right? People suffer. There's war and terrible things going on all over the world as you sit and listen to this right now. Yeah. What about it? Well, here's some simple thoughts on that. You got to have rain in your life to appreciate the sunshine. Essie Mae Brooks sings that beautiful gospel song out of Washington, Georgia. You got to have rain in your life to appreciate the sunshine. The ancient meaning of the word suffering comes right to mind for me. And that ancient meaning is just this, that suffering means to move towards something without resistance, without a barrier, to not be held back by something. And it's so wonderful of a meaning because it's in our suffering that our egos and our pride are reduced 
that we no longer resist this object of God, or we choose to go another way and we buy fully into the thing that has us suffering. We double down. I am a, an example of that. Alcoholism is a great example of that. We suffer and believe we need more alcohol to make that suffering better, right? It, the suffering makes it very easy for me to move to a weekend alcoholic, to a day drinker, to an evening drinker, to an all day, you know, a morning drinker, a little hair of the dog type of rationalization. Lies that I tell myself that justify my actions, leveraging logic to fool me into doing things that hurt me, or I can take the truth, the truth of this God and put it to work. And my suffering can end in that current form. Now, it's not over right there. We're going to go over that. We're going to go over that. But here we go. Let's go a little further. I just wanted to address suffering. To move, when we talk about suffering, I want you guys to have this working definition. To move without resistance towards God. Move without resistance. And I'm stripped away with it involuntarily. Or <laughs> I pray this prayer and I start to seek and do God's will. And ask him for the power to carry it out. So we move on. Sometimes we took a slightly different tack. Sure, we said to ourselves, the hen probably did come before the egg. No doubt the universe had a first cause of some sort. The God of the atom may be hot and cold by turns, but certainly there wasn't any evidence of a God who knew or cared about human beings. Then why the set of instructions? Why the way to live? The old school thing was called the way. And for these guys, go look that up. Go look it up. The way of life. Why does that exist? If there's not a set of instructions, if something didn't come out of the universe, of this bag of molecules, of these atoms arranged so perfectly, why have it? Where'd it come from? Why would it be there? Why wouldn't chaos and randomness just be the rule of things and there'd be no order at all? Right? So that's the answer to that. We liked AA all right, and were quick to say that it had done miracles, but we recoiled from meditation and prayer as obstinately, which is refusing to change, obstinately as the scientist who refused to perform a certain experiment lest it prove his pet theory wrong. Of course, we finally did experiment, and when unexpected results followed, we felt different. In fact, we knew different. The problem of experience is just that. You can tell me. You tell Dan Dan all day long, there is no God. And you and I will have the problem of experience because I did what this book said. And it turns out that whatever this God is, whether I can describe him to you or show him to you or not, I got the results that it promised. And that's really what it boils down to. I don't have to have a belief structure. I can come into it very objectively and say, I'm going to do these things to the best of my ability, and I'm going to ask myself one question. Did it work? Does it work? Because it's the only question, not what is this name, what not, you know, what is the creed or the dogma or the book or any of that? Does it work? That's the question we're working with. And I knew different. And we were sold on meditation and prayer. And that, we have found, can happen to anybody who tries. It has been well said that almost the only scoffers at prayer are those who never tried it enough. So there's a practice to it. Like Sam said, it's a art and we got to practice to it. And it's an art that's like sculpting in a way. There's a really smart guy out there who has a famous quote and he says, sculpting is easy. 
All you do is chip away the rock you don't want. Now, obviously, there's a great deal of skill and intuition into that. It will take a great deal of practice. Those of us who have come to make regular use of prayer would no more do without it than we would refuse air, food, or sunshine. And for the same reason, when we refuse air, light, or food, the body what? Suffers. Suffers. It gets more and more inclined towards that air and that food and that light. It more and more desires to get it. You know, the hungrier you get, the less you care about what you eat. It's a really simple thing. You suffer under that food. You, through suffering, become open-minded, humble, unopinionated, and move right on into whatever. (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter. There's a point where the pain of hunger will let you eat just about anything, perhaps even things that might kill you in the hope that you'll stay alive. Hmm. When we refuse air, light, or food, the body suffers. And when we turn away from meditation and prayer, we likewise deprive our minds, our minds, our thoughts, our perceptions, our attitudes, our emotions, the things that make our life us, this thing called me and how it experiences that thing called life, our minds, Our emotions and our intuitions of vitally needed support, we starve them. Mm. As the body can fail its purpose for lack of nourishment, so can the soul. We all need the light of God's reality, the nourishment of his strength, and the atmosphere of his grace. That's that disposition Sam was talking about, that atmosphere. To an amazing extent, not, not a little extent, feels like to an amazing extent. The facts of AA life confirm this ageless truth. Look around a room. It does. There is a direct linkage among self-examination, meditation, and prayer. Taken separately, these practices can bring much relief and benefit. But when they are logically related and interwoven, leveraging objectivity based on the directions that are outside of you, something else's will, like the AA's set of directions, I follow them and I do them to the best of my ability. I can be honest with myself and said, I've gone after this to the best of my ability. Did it work? That's the logic he's talking about here. So when they are logically related and interwoven, the result is an unshakable foundation for life. That problem of experience solved. Now and then we may be granted a glimpse of that ultimate reality, which is God's kingdom. And we will be comforted, comforted, Ah, I need that a lot. We will be comforted and assured, boy, I need that a lot too, that our own destiny is in that realm. Ooh, that our own destiny in that realm will be secure for as long as we try, however falteringly, to find and do the will of our creator. That is the idea here. Something saved you. Something brought you to AA. Something kept you alive for this opportunity that's being presented to you. It may not seem like a good thing. And if you leave and stay in that world, it won't be a good thing. But if you come in and do the AA thing, in contrast to that, it could be the finest asset you've ever had. Converting those tragedies of the past and that ill behavior of that past and those resentments and all the pain you brought to other people to an asset is the very reason that prayer and meditation are important. It is the way that we change this sack of chemicals, where I used to use alcohol, 
to get comfort, or I used to use alcohol to feel a sense of insurance. Now I'm using prayer and meditation, and it has the same effect. Instead of bringing in molecules from outside of me through liquor and drugs, I change the molecules inside of me. I know how to make the happiness molecule because I'm happy sometimes. And I also know how to make the angry molecules because I'm angry sometimes. Through prayer and meditation, I gain the power back, the power back to make these things in my life. And it's so long as I pray only for the knowledge of his will, for the thoughts that God wants me to have and the power to carry it out, that the actions he wants to do through me for the benefit of other people. Hmm. As we have seen, self-searching is the means by which we bring new vision, action, and grace. Whew, grace, this is another great word, to bear upon the dark and, pers- it doesn't say this, Danisms, persistently and obnoxiously and irrationally and insanely negative side of our natures. It is a step in the development of that kind of, oh, there's that great, that great horrible word, humility that makes it possible for us to receive God's help. No way to say is that, say this is this. It is a step in the development as a result of suffering of that kind of knowledge of who I am and the ability to seek and do God's will that makes it possible for us to receive God's help. Yet it is only a step. We will want to go further. So we're going to stop there and just think about this for a second, that there's a methodology to this. And what Bill's conveying to us is it doesn't matter what we believe. It does matter what we do. We can approach this without any belief at all, other than that we believe it worked for others, other than through the experience of others, we can find it. If you go in the dictionary and you look up the word belief, there's like four different definitions and they sort of act like a stage of belief. There's this first stage that I believe it because, well, I believe you. I don't have any evidence of it and I don't, I wasn't experiencing it myself, but you say it's true. So I believe it. And then there's, I believe it because I've seen some evidence of my own, though I still haven't directly experienced it, maybe like a textbook or professor style belief, right? I'm taught it. And so I believe it. So demonstrated and then I'm taught. And then I believe it because I've tried it once or twice, but very few times, but you know, it did work for me. So I'm kind of like, yeah, it does work. And then I believe it because it's a working part of my experience. I, I was directly involved. I was present. It, it, it is true for me because I absolutely irrefutably know I experienced it. And I think that's how this starts off that we're just going to believe not in a particular methodology or discipline of prayer meditation, though, if you have it, he's going to go on and tell us to definitely dive into that as deep as we can. Instead, we're going to believe prayer meditation works on the basis of only for the knowledge of his will and the power to carry it out because we see people in the room that are achieving things that we know we want to achieve. We see people in the room uh, in the rooms uh, that are going through difficult circumstances, but they're doing it with grace, not without sadness, not without fear, not without judgment and the regular things, but they show up in AA and they talk about how they're leveraging the program to help them and it is working, right? You'll see the phrases on the wall, this too shall pass. We all know that's true. Like all the other crises in my life are old. The crises I had in high school, for instance, well, they're over, right? So this too shall pass. And 
and live and let live and, and let go and let God and these kind of things that we can just think that they're going to work. And there'll come a time that as we're doing it, as we get closer to it, right now you're in the teaching part of belief. And I'm just asking you to take then, you know, my little tiny version, my one of two or three million people's versions and, uh, and just, just reference it to, to use it for something. You can take that level of belief, but the next step of belief, which is what we'll get into part two here in step 11 is vital that you get out and do it. So in this first part, we're just laying the foundation. We're just laying the foundation for step 11. Why do it? How important is it? And what am I going to get from it? And the answers are, why do it? Because you're doomed without a relationship, a spiritual experience. How to do it? You pray only for the knowledge of his will. You work to change your thoughts to God's thoughts and the power to carry it out. You seek God in different situations. That's it. You know, why do it? Because you're after peace, a sense of serenity, a comfort, a sense of significance, satisfaction, a way to have a feeling of purpose in life. And you can get that through this, through prayer meditation, that'll be delivered. So I think the discussion, if you guys want to take this part one of step 11 out into a discussion, what you can do is ask this question right here. Why? pray and meditate. And for those that have already been a good practice of AA's 11 step, what has it done for you? Encourage each other through our experience, strength, and hope for those that still doubt and are desperate and afraid and let them know that there's safety and comfort in God, however they want to approach it. And that there's an extraordinary power to change how they think and how they feel that they may be totally unaware of if they don't try it. Hope you guys have a great discussion.